DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you, as always. Okay. Whose job is it to announce the good news and to go out and make disciples of all nations? Yeah, that's an easy one to answer. It's um, not, not always so easy to do, but really it's the, the job, it's the privilege of every baptized person. Everyone who has come to life in Jesus Christ is invited to have a relationship with him and to experience what it means to, to live in, in him, who is our Lord and Savior. Uh, having had that experience, then uh, the, the Lord uh, wants us to, to share that uh, with others. So however we make that announcement, how, however it it is possible for us in our particular circumstances or our vocation that varies from person to person, but each one of us has, has had the responsibility and the privilege of, of doing that in our own time and place. There's a, a Greek term that many people may not be familiar with. Boy, isn't it at the heart of who we are as a Christian people? It's called kerygma. Can you break that open for us? Mm-hmm. It's a word we're hearing more and more these days, uh, actually, as we're, as we're grappling with life in a what's sometimes is called a post-Christian uh, society or a more secular uh, society. If we have fewer tools at our disposal, we might say, and fewer people who are maybe disposed to a life of faith or, or fewer people who claim any attachment to, to religion, what's the basic thing that, that we want to do and the, and the most basic thing that we have to offer that's unique, you might say, about the, about the Christian gospel? So that's what has been known in the church since the very beginning as the kerygma. It's an, an announcement of the heart of the good news. You said it's really the heart of things, and, and that's exactly uh, uh, what it is. Uh, it's the, at the heart of what we know to, to be true about God's saving plan for us in Jesus Christ. We could summarize it. Uh, it doesn't take long to summarize it, really, that God has looked on us poor sinners and in his mercy has uh, planned uh, to send us the the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes among us, the son of God, God and man, truly, on a mission from from his heavenly father. And that mission involves him laying down his life for us. So he, he suffers and dies for us on the cross to free us from sin. Jesus is not dead now. Uh, he is alive, risen from the dead. Uh, many of his disciples saw him and were convinced of the truth that, that Jesus is alive. Jesus has promised to send the Holy Spirit on his disciples so that we can, through the Holy Spirit animating us, become a community of, of believers, which we, which we call the church. And in the church, we continue to experience in every, in every age the presence of, of the risen Jesus. 
That is something that I think for many people, they'll say, well, okay, but what is that for me in my attempts to try to communicate that to family members, to coworkers, to neighbors? I think the first thing is for me to accept it myself and to, to live with it, pray w- with this truth that God loves uh, me so much. God loves all of us, but he, he loves me so much that he's given me the, the gift of his son and, and Jesus comes to meet me through the power of the Holy Spirit and invites me to have a relationship with him. And as I say yes to that relationship and come closer to the Lord, it invites a conversion on my part. So a turning away from things that aren't of God and, mm-hmm. and turning toward the Lord with the help of God's grace, with, with the help of, of the Holy Spirit. Before I can really, with conviction and with integrity, share that uh, good news, that possibility with, with other people, I have to really accept it myself. It makes me sad sometimes as a pastor when, when I encounter people who, who are part of the Catholic Church or others who, who claim to, to be Christians who perhaps through no fault of their own whatsoever really don't have the experience of a personal relationship with, with, with the Lord. They might know certain things about what the church teaches and they might be involved in certain practices. All of that's good to know, so I'm not being critical of them at all or judgmental. But the, the heart of the matter, we keep coming back to, is this uh, opportunity to know Jesus in such a personal way that I'm convinced that the kerygma, this plan of God, is true, and that it's, it's begun to make such a difference in my life that I can't help share it with, uh, with others. Boy, it sure is key from what you're saying that we, in essence, cannot give what we don't have. And to have that relationship, for many Catholics, hearing even to this day that we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus, kind of maybe will trigger something where that sure sounds like a Protestant experience. But it's at the heart of who we are as Catholics, isn't it? Yeah, it's sad that we might have sort of seeded that that part of the of the Christian experience to others outside of the the Catholic Church. But it's but what you say is true. Uh, many of us didn't grow up with that language or, or with that concept. We, m- many of us lived in a what we would call a Catholic culture, and we were s- surrounded by the life of faith and the uh, opportunity to pray. And I think we did experience the presence of Jesus. You know, he's, he's with us in the church, with us in the Eucharist and in the other sacraments. So it's not like the, you know, this is a novelty. Suddenly Jesus is mm-hmm. here, and, and we can have a relationship with him. But as some of the supports in the culture have, have begun to fall away, we realize that that without the personal experience and the personal conviction uh, of God's love for us in Jesus and the experience of, of the Lord in my life uh, day by day for my good, for, for, for my salvation, it may not really be possible for, for me to live the faith very zealously or, or, or completely. And then I find, I think many Catholics do, we find we're somewhat flat-footed when, when we're invited to talk about our faith or to witness it. Uh, to others in in a way that that's credible. The experience of our encounter with Jesus is probably the most important thing that we can pass on. Sometimes we get concerned, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Then we want to be able to offer examples in the Scripture, say to people of what we believe is so true, and that's very very important. But it really has to have its anchor, though, in that relationship that we personally have, doesn't it? Yes, and that we can invite others to think that they could have, too, and, and to begin to experience, to hear the invitation 
uh, that, that Jesus has, that he has for them. As I said a few moments ago, the, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, there will be the invitation to conversion. And it's a, it's a gentle invitation, but it's a sure one, and Jesus is patient, and, and he invites us step by step to, to come you know, more fully in, into, into life with him, to, to conform our lives to him more, uh, more closely. We do that by power of God's grace, by our own decisions. We discover that in the context of, of the love that the Lord has for us and in the context of, of, of his mercy. It is an essential part of our own life of faith and essential if we're going to share the, the faith with others, that we believe more than anything else that Jesus is real and that he's alive, that he is the Son of God. And we think well, we should take all that for granted uh, for Catholics, but I would say well, let's not take it for granted. Let's live with that. Let's pray with that. Receive it again, perhaps, if, even though we, intellectually we may, we may know that it's true. And in prayer, in preparation for the sacraments, participation in the sacraments, and in reading the scripture, in our seeking Jesus in the poor and others who are, are, are on the margins that we cultivate from our side, Jesus is always doing his part, we cultivate from our side this, this personal relationship with the Lord, which the Lord wants us to have with him. And I think we can always say with confidence, he, he wants more for us than we're than we're allowing him to have so far. So this is something, no matter where we are in our on our journey of faith, that can be deepened and and, and can be enriched. It's, it's an exciting thing about about living our faith that there's more for us to to experience. The experience is essential if if the doing, so if the living of our faith and sort of following the commandments and the teachings of our faith, that that's all offered to us as a gift and a, as a part of the means of our forms the path for our salvation we might say jesus provides the means um but through the power of his his death and and, and resurrection the, the, that all is, is part of it especially these days in 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 the current culture i don't think many of us are going to be able to really grapple with the hard issues within ourselves or, or in our in relationships with others or be able to really talk convincingly to other people about some of the challenges if we haven't first uh, allowed ourselves to experience this overwhelming love uh, for Jesus. As I say, accept uh, again and again, day by day, that this is really true. This is God's plan. Uh, Jesus is alive, and, and, and he is with us in the church and, and with me in the de- details of my life. I think there's something so beautiful about what you just said, and, and that experience of his touching us, and that he's real, that he's alive. And as Catholics— that is the deepest thing that we can share with others because through our sacraments, when you say, Archbishop, this is how he, I guess, puts the dirt in his hand and then the spittle and heals the blind man or how the woman who reaches and touches his cloak and graces pour from him. That is what's offered in the sacraments is that real tangible experience of the living Christ. Yes, exactly. By God's grace, we have, uh, I think, each of us some very profound experiences of the Lord's presence to us individually in in prayer. We can't count on them, or we can't have them on demand, we might say. But uh, through the church, the Lord has promised to, to be with us in, in the sacraments. And the sacraments do involve an experience. Uh, we, we don't just think about something or even hear about it from somebody else, but we participate in them. And the, the church, through her ministers, also participates. So that there is a clear understanding 
that uh, something is being offered, an experience is, is being offered here, and that that signifies a profound grace that, that we can't see or feel, um, but we're, uh, we have confidence that that grace is offered and that the, the gift that, that uh, is offered is uh, taking effect in, in me when I participate in the ritual of the sacrament. I know I'm repeating myself, but it's sort of the demand of the kerygma that we keep that we keep announcing that in different ways over and over again. We look most uh, uh, beautifully at the sacrament of the Eucharist, where we have uh, our faith uh, tells us, and Jesus has assured us, this very personal encounter uh, with him in the Mass, in the reception of the Eucharist, under the appearance of bread and wine, Jesus himself communicates himself to us. He establishes this holy communion. And this is not just our imagination, and it's not uh, a memory of something from a long time ago, although we remember uh, what he did at the Last Supper. But this is an experience that is offered to us to us here and now. But it's not really going to mean much to me if I don't already have some significant faith in Jesus and don't really accept him as the Savior and have a desire to respond to his invitation to be part of this relationship. I mean, what difference would it make if I think of Jesus as a just one of many prophets or as a wise teacher or, or again, a memory from, from the past in order for, for me to really enter into the truth of, of, the, of the Eucharistic mystery. It happens simultaneously in some ways, but, it, but certainly more basically I have to enter into the truth of, the, uh, of Jesus as, as the Son of God, the Savior, risen from the dead, reigning now gloriously at the right hand of the Father. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Litany of Humility Oh Jesus, meek and humble of heart. Hear me. From the desire of being esteemed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. 
Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Yeah, that experience of the Paschal Mystery, you instructed us, guided us to a greater, deeper understanding of that over the many conversations we've had. That Paschal Mystery that is a place where, how can I say this, a very wise a deacon once told me, Deacon James Keating, you, you know him, he said that it's where hurt and good mingle. And that's how you get communion. It's the place where the most profound hurts and of the world, of what Christ did, what God took on himself, what we experience today, encounters the greatest of goods and what we can bring to it. And it mingles and it becomes communion. This is the uniqueness of our Catholic faith, we we should say, the uniqueness of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And so we experience this Paschal mystery. It has, it's a, profound truth that has different facets so we can see it in different ways and experience it in different levels of of our own life and in our faith. We certainly experience its power in a profound way in the sacraments. As I say, these days, as we try to grapple with what's what's really the bedrock of our faith and and what's the thing that we have to offer to proclaim in uh, in the world to those close to us who we know and love, to others that, that we encounter, by our lives, by our actions, by our own our own belief, but then ultimately, when we have the opportunity to talk about uh, why we are who we are, why we we live the way we we live, it, it's the Paschal mystery that that we want to to share. We call it a mystery because it's too big for us to understand completely, but it's not it's not unintelligible, mm-hmm. and actually has a beautiful power when it's expressed and and when someone is able to to receive it. Because as you say, we all suffer. We're all broken. We uh, uh, suffer the effects of, of our own sins, the, the effects of original sin, the choices that other people make around us, that we're, we're burdened by all that. Many people have particular sufferings or wounds from, from illness or broken relationships, of, of, a variety of, of things. So the, the, the news that God would look right into that woundedness, that brokenness, and then not only shout at us from afar or, or give a, some instructions on how to climb out of it or whatever, but that he would send his, his own son, Jesus, truly God, truly man, to enter into that and, and to um, go right into the depths of that evil, brokenness, with the, an overwhelming goodness. That possibility, when we begin to comprehend it, and then ultimately through faith, we say not only is it possible, but it is real. This is what God is doing. It's it's beautiful. It, it's it's overwhelming, and as I say, it's the unique heart of, of of the gospel. This love for us that God has in Jesus. Again, I keep going back to what you've said. That's at the heart of what we want to share with others. It's a paradigm, I suppose. What I'm trying to say, it's a paradigm of how we approach something. It's the great why of all the that we do. It's not the how or the what, the what being all the different institutions or the the things that we enter into, that doesn't come first. The first thing has to be that great why. Yes, and I think these days uh, particularly. So, you know, we have beautiful institutions and we have 
we have vibrant parishes and uh, schools. We have beautiful churches. But what, what we're finding, uh, again, this is it's a fact we have to accept, is that we if we just simply turn the lights on and even kind of shout a general invitation, come on and, and join us, as, as heartfelt as that invitation might be, people aren't coming. Maybe one or two. You, you know, and again, God bless them. God appeals to people in, uh, in different ways. So we never want to lock the door so that someone who decides they might just want to wander in mm-hmm. that has the grace to do that, that they would be welcomed. We realize more, more and more that we have to take in the kerygma, the, the heart of the gospel, and, and then, uh, then be willing to, to share it and to be patient uh, with others as, as we share it so that they can begin to hear it, take it in. And in some ways, it's unbelievable. So it's, it becomes a, a certain point a matter of faith. God gives the grace, gives that, that gift of faith to those whom he desires to have it. And I think our experience is that he desires many people to have it. So we want to presume that it's, you know, that, that it's being offered. Um, but that uh, it's, it's something that it might not be able to be received right away. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was St. Paul that said it is a crazy message. It does seem like something that's unbelievable. And the only thing that makes it so incredibly believable is, look how it affected me. Look how it changed my life. Look how this has touched me in such a way that I'm bearing witness. That's what we need today, isn't it? Yes, and that's how the announcement of the Kyrgyzma began on Pentecost. Um, Those um, disciples of Jesus who had been so profoundly touched by their relationship with him, and who were convinced of what they were teaching, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he uh, was crucified uh, for our sins, but that he is not dead, he is, he is alive. They, w- they saw that, um, knew it to be true. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and could begin to announce the kerygma, make, the, make the, this great announcement of salvation. And the Spirit was active in the announcement and the spirit was active in the in the ears and in the hearts of the people who who heard uh, the announcement we don't discount that part of it at all we, we can't uh, as um, we take upon ourselves more and more the responsibility of sharing this good news of salvation in Jesus Christ having come to know know him ourselves we know that the Holy Spirit is active and we can count on the same experience that those first disciples had that if we are willing to share our faith in, in Jesus Christ with others some people will believe it not everybody, and that was the case from the beginning. Not everybody believed it, but a lot of people did. And, of course, n- nobody has ever believed it who never heard it, who never had anybody in some way share this, this good news uh, uh, with them. Risky stuff. You're putting yourself out there. It's kind of vulnerable in today's world, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we think with gratitude about the first disciples. It was risky in their world, too, and many of them died. Uh, rather than back away from this uh, desire, this urgency to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ with others. They were threatened with their lives if they didn't shut up, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't shut up. And not only did they say it, but the community of believers became attractive in the way that they lived the gospel. They didn't live it perfectly. No, none of us can, sadly. But uh, they lived it in such a way that other people noticed and wanted to be part of it, and then that gave them the opportunity to tell why they lived the way they did, kind of share the, to share the kerygma. So there are many, grace builds on nature, and there are many ways that we might attract somebody. You know, I don't think most of us will get very far if we go into the workplace uh, or uh, into the, to Walmart or someplace where there's a lot of people and just start announcing the kerygma. Uh, maybe somebody has the, 
call from God to do that, but most of us don't. And I think most of us wouldn't get much of a reception there, but we do have relationships with people and some of them, those are profound. Some are, are more casual. A disciple of Jesus who in, uh, in, in our prayer, as we are asking the Lord to show himself to us more personally, more profoundly, will also ask him, how do you want me to show you to, to someone else and who is that person? We might get see the answer right away. Maybe that's a prayer that goes on for some time. And then uh, at some point, the Lord will uh, present someone to us, and we will see this as someone with whom I I could begin to share my faith. The Holy Spirit's at work in all this, and and the Lord himself has a deep desire to to share his life and his love with others and to use us as his instruments. Boy, that listening to the Holy Spirit, I can't help but think of Philip and the eunuch in the Acts of the Apostles, where I think, if I'm not mistaken, he even says, Philip, really? You want me to go? Well, okay. And then he just asks the eunuch, do you have questions? I'm here. Do you have a question? Mm-hmm. And then he listened to that question. Yeah, so he, he was reading the scriptures. So he, he, was, he asked a simple question, what are you reading? Yeah. <laughs> we begin a relationship with another person. Sometimes it turns into a very profound, lifelong friendship or, or relationship. Sometimes it's, it's just going to be very casual. But it, all, it often starts with the question, what are you reading? Or okay. what? Well, you have your lunch or, or something. But it, it's a noticing of another person and an openness to hear something from them. But in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ, those, those encounters are not insignificant. And it's the, the Holy Spirit helps animate and, and, and shape them. And maybe it's the beginning of something at, that we might never, never see the, come to full fruition. Mm. Uh, or, or maybe it's nothing more than, than an encounter. But um, it's because we can't be sure, and we in all ways want to show ourselves as caring about the, the good, the profound good, the eternal good of, of the those with, that we're encountering, that we're open to, to the, the possibility that the Lord himself might indicate. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.